Whatever, bro. Just making fun of me because I, I love wheat. 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 Wheat with a T. Oh, T. Wheat. Yeah. Yeah. Wheat with a T. <laughs> Definitely. So I've got a bad, really, really bad memory, so I can't remember exactly what I said on Monday. <laughs> He's a fairly formal goat, but he likes to party. Chase. This is a New England. It's supposed to look like orange juice. <laughs> All right, here we are. Chapter 12, Sonder Stories. Justin Neff alongside Luke Shropshire. What up? Chase Legler. Oh. And everyone's favorite producer, non-producer, PNP, Danny Harold. I'm back. What's up, guys? Yeah, you are back. Um, I, this didn't, t- I, I didn't really leave, but... <laughs> That's true. That's true. Although, seemingly, we all might have left because we did take a week off from the podcast, um, despite what uh, some people may think or it may appear. We do have uh, a lot of work that we do around here, and so sometimes we're not able to fit this in in our weekly schedule, um, or we have to fit it into ever-changing crazy schedules, and it just didn't work out last week, so... To all of our loyal listeners and fans out there, sincerely apologize that we missed a week, and we are a couple days late, even on this week's podcast, but could not uh, wait any longer to tell you about our newest beer. We tapped it today, New Tap Tuesday, uh, yesterday, today's Wednesday, right? Whoops. New Tap Wednesday. New Tap. Saison de Punchum, Blend 1. And uh, Luke, uh, we'll just let you dive into this. This was kind of your baby from the beginning, and uh, you built this up out of our uh, punching barrels. Yep. And uh, we tapped it. It's ex- it's extremely limited, mm-hmm. very limited. Only two kegs that we're going to run through here, mm-hmm. uh, and then one that we're going to we're going to peel back and let it age for a little bit and see what happens to it. So uh, tell us a little bit about the beer background of how you got it to to launch here and uh then we'll dive into some other stuff on it uh the start of the program kind of was me um pestering chase continuously about getting barrels into the side room um main reason why i got punchins in uh so for people who don't know what a punchin is um a punchin is just a very large very large wine barrel so standard wine barrels are 225 liters Burgundy barrels are 228, so that goes 225 is about 59 gallons, and 228 is 60. Um, punchins are 500 liters, so that was about 132 gallons. Um, main reason why I really wanted to go with a punchin over a smaller barrel um, to start with was more blunt stock, uh, more more stock just in general of a beer, um, more bang for your buck, um, and um, to be honest, you just um, just a, a quicker, in a sense, a little bit of a faster aging time on them. Um, due to the thinness of the wood um, and the exchange of gases and oxygen between um, the the permeability permeability of the wood. Is that the word? Works for me. All right. So that's the backstory of how we kind of started here. Program started off with the four barrels and kind of just started with a traditional uh, heavy dextrinous malt bill. So uh, white wheat, two-row, oats, did a extended uh, did a nice little step mash on it first time doing a step mash with my sours so that was actually kind of fun trying that out um, and then from there just typical boil hops added uh, probably shooting around 15 IBUs um, and then from there um, I separated out the the batch into four different or into my four barrels 
the one barrel is more of a lambic barrel. The second barrel started off with uh, is actually my proprietary blend of Britannomyces strains that I've actually had as a homebrewer since 2015. Um, I've been using those for a very long time, put multiple generations on them, so they're very far mutated and uh, morphed, and I got those banked at a yeast lab and gifted them to Sonder, so that's our proprietary strain. Um, so it's not replicatable by anybody. And then the other two were, uh, one was a French Saison barrel, uh, sorry, French Saison barrel with one of my Brett strains. And then the other barrel is just kind of a free-for-all, so just lacto and, you know, whatever other bugs I had laying around at home. The main mentality with my barrels was the Saison barrel was going to be the fast turn. Having the Saison strain being the sack strain, um, it would ferment out a little bit quicker than my Brett heavy barrels, um, so I was really leaning on more of the French Saison to give off the characteristics of, you know, the classic uh, light bubblegum. Uh, well, not really bubblegum, but spiciness, phenolics. Um, it's really nice and subtle spiciness um, with just a compliment, compliment from the Brett. And so we had that bad boy in there for about four months. Um, all of my sour beers um, are fermented in oak and aged in oak. I've had the best success doing that and the best flavor profile. So that's how that went. Um, after tasting the barrels around month three, the Brett Saison actually had quite a bit of acid pickup, which I was kind of not expecting because um, I did not inoculate it purposely with lactobacillus. Um, so I have a feeling that potentially some of the, some of the, you know, I'm not really sure actually. So that one just actually kind of picked up. It could have been from the Britannomyces kind of picking up some oxygen, producing a little bit of acetic acid, um, but not in any way aggressive in the sense of vinegar, just very nice and mellow. When the beer was at a point where I liked it the most, um, I actually then back blended it with a uh, other beer product that we have from the Punchins um, that was a lot more subtle in the sense of Britannomyces and acid. Um, I wanted this Saison to be really approachable, more in the sense of crushable since it was coming out in the summertime. Um, so I back blended it a little bit uh, just to kind of tame it just a little. And then uh, from there, um, I took them straight off the barrel into kegs where we conditioned it further for about a month. Um, and now we have Saison de Punchum. Blend one. Blend one. So, <clears throat> excuse me, you talked a little bit about uh, how you put those into four different, four different barrels, four different blends. You took the one into blend one, and that's the first punch in that we had. What, what does the rest of this look like? So what are you planning to do with punch in two, three, and four uh, that keeps this program building and growing to... to the next beer, the next iteration of that. So um, another reason coming in with the punchins is um, I wanted to use it for really actually to house my house cultures, um, keep them happy, keep them rolling. So for so the Saison de Punchin, that one was just a single blend that I really liked with uh, just a small uh, back blend of another product. Um, my Brett barrels that are just my proprietary strain, um, those guys um, we actually just used today. Um, we inoculated our fooder with. Um, with um, uh, Belgian-style wheat beer that we're inoculated with uh, a little bit of lacto and my bread strains. The lambic barrel is just a lambic barrel. You know, that's going to be used for either a single, single lambic or used to blend out anything else. And then the, the fourth one is just a nice straight lacto barrel, basically, that we'll use for fruit. As, as you can kind of tell, I say blend a lot. At the end of the day, I don't ever plan on making one brand in one barrel and just expecting it to happen. Um, my whole mentality is to shoot for a style or shoot for a flavor, but then plan with my other barrels to coincide so I can get more complexity and more flavor out of them. 
So that could mean barrel one and barrel four, if I try barrel one. Well, basically, actually, what I just said with, with my Saison de Punchum, um, like I said, it had a little bit too much acid and a little bit too much breath that I thought would be a little bit too distracting for the audience for our first hour. Or, I'm sorry, mixed culture beer. So I then did blend in from another punch-in a lighter acidic and lighter Britannomyces-flavored beer to tame the um, overall flavor that was already coming out from my, my Saison punch-in. So it's all about blending and balance and um, layering and uh, complexities. And the cool thing about that is now you can start to do things like adding in other flavors, right? So now you can add in fruit. You could tea this if you wanted to. You could You could blend it with wine and make a hybrid or, or yep. whatever that looks like, right? So, so a little bit more to less on the technical side, but more on the side of, from a brand perspective, what's this look like and, and how sustainable is this with the four punchins that we've got? Our, overall, uh, we, I can do quite a bit with these four punchins. Um, another reason why I went with such larger volume, um, there was just more to use versus if I had four 225 liter wine barrels, you know, that's not too much product. With the four that I have, like I was saying earlier, I could take my Lambic barrel with my Saison barrel. I could make a, you know, I could almost do like a Fogues with it. Um, and then I could fruit it out from there. Um, but with those punchins being so large, I'm not pulling that much product out of it. So therefore, when I retop them off with fresh wort, there's not going to be a huge genetic drift. So it's going to somewhat stay, in a sense, stable. Um, but when I really want to kind of get weird with it, and really want to see where I can take my cultures, then I can just drain the barrel down to one hectoliter, refill it up with four hectoliters of fresh wort, and then let that thing drift and kind of go further. Sure. And, and the other thing that I love by having a punch-in versus just a standard 55-gallon barrel is now we have the capability of releasing some of these in bottles yep. and still having it on draft, but having enough product to sustain both that taproom market on, on draft and be able to release it in limited quantities in bottles, which is something I'm really excited about for, for those of you. We're live, by the way. We're live on Instagram right now. So um, We're on Justin's Instagram. Yeah, I, I was handed this phone. <laughs> we're on my Instagram right now, so I don't know if there's anyone watching, but uh, for those of you that are watching, this will release, uh, our podcast will release sometime later this week. So wanted to give people a sneak peek uh, and, and get them excited back about the podcast coming. So what we can do with those bottle releases is now we can, we can release them um, on a, not only a limited basis, but almost on a, one of my favorite things that, that I've been a part of in the past as a consumer of beer is when you're able to, to, to get your hands on something that not everybody can. And what I love about this program is as we build this up, we have the ability to do both. So... You've talked a little bit about this, Luke, but as we build up some of these beers, because we have our fooder as well, we may be able to replicate these on a, on a larger, more production basis Exactly. or keep them very limited. So yep. the thing I like about that is as we decide to package these, if we decide to do that, is we can, we can sort of cover both bases there, right? If it's something incredibly small batch, we have the ability to do that. If it's something that kind of takes off and goes gangbusters like we hope that they do we have the ability to replicate that as well yeah i'm ex i'm excited too for the just the prospect of doing bioconditioning uh with our sours as well um you know 
Luke's ability with having his cultures that he's had in his you know his, his basement for for years and his experience with it and knowing how they work and how they react is is great. Um, and then to to utilize Luke's knowledge with the bugs, and then to get it out to you know the consumer in the fashion that it that it should be with a nice lively packaged beer is is what I'm really looking forward to is as far as getting the conditioning down right and letting them age in the bottle for you know three months uh, properly and then releasing those to the public with all 100% natural carbonation is is what I'm really most excited for to be honest with you yeah and I was actually pretty pumped um, after talking to Chase about his bottle his experience with bottle conditioning from Nuclearis and I was telling him, you know, how I would package mine and, you know, where I would shoot for my carbonation. He actually um, spooked me a little bit by the sense when he was saying, you know, my packaging levels were too low. And, you know, after talking more and more with him, I really realized that I was packaging my levels, my beers too low. So I would always shoot for a nice 2.7 and 2.9, you know, volume of CO2. So with a cake on draft, you're typically getting around 2.5 volumes of CO2. Chase has got me into the, the ideology of going high. Champagne almost, 3.5 volumes, lively spritzy, getting that frothy head with, uh, with the tight bubbles and everything. And, you know, that's one thing that I've really, uh, actually I'm really pumped to do with, uh, with these sours to kind of see what the expression um, that they get with the, uh, the, continu- the higher level of pressure that they're going through um, and the stress that they're going to be going through um, with this conditioning process. So... Let's go to you, Danny, um, from somebody that is a consumer of the style. You like the style. and By style, I, I mean broad-term sours, right? This is a little bit different than Mella. Obviously, it's, a, it's, a, it's probably overall, we've, we've heard from Luke and, and Chase both, uh, just about the style and, and the process that goes into it versus what we heard from Mella, last week or two weeks ago on the podcast. So the beers, albeit both sour, are, are also very different. So from a consumer standpoint, uh, kind of take your, your marketing cap off or, or, the, or the producer, non-producer role, go into the bar stool and, and be a consumer for us and tell us what is it that you love about this style as well or this, this particular beer. So this beer for me is something that if I were to sit down at a bar, if I were to go to a brewery for the first time, it would definitely be something that I would be drawn towards just because of how unique it is. I think that goes into like a little bit of the education of kind of like what goes into a punch-in and whatnot. But I like the fact that um, this is something that we're really going to be able to put into our wheelhouse of it's very unique, very limited. It's something that is going to hit a lot of people and it kind of appeals to not only the, the sour consumer, but I would also lean and say that, you know, a lager or an ale consumer is also really going to like this beer. Yeah. I, I, on that note, one of the things often you hear Saison or you hear Brett or you hear both and there's two very polarizing flavors there. The thing I love about it as a consumer is you don't get that overwhelming uh, ch- chase. I believe what how you described it was horsey, um, which is often described for Britannomyces, uh, and, and you don't get that here. The thing that is probably most appealing to me, or the thing that I love, is the acidity on it is is pretty perfect and balances out that that both that Saison and that Brett character. 
uh, I, I've told you guys before, um, I think everyone knows, I love Boulevard Saison Brat. I, I always have. And that beer is incredibly evolving over time every year, and every blend is a little bit different. The one thing, candidly, that I wish that beer had more was higher on the acidity level, which is what we've got here, which makes this beer very different than that one, and, and I, I totally dig it. Yeah, if um, anyone's kind of familiar with my previous work in uh, Barely Late Sours, I, was, um, I would say I was a little bit more acid-forward. Um, I love acid quite a bit, um, but I'm also understanding that... A- acidity levels in beer. Hold on, time out. Not LSD, that was a, That was an awesome statement. It was like... <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with my previous work, but... <laughs> we'll, we'll, edit, we'll edit that one out. I don't know if you're familiar with my previous work, but I really like acid. <laughs> All right, we'll edit that out. Start over, start in. Acid with a D. <laughs> with a D. Acid. Acid with a D. With a D, yes. No, there's no reason... Dude, there's no reason to edit it out. Uh. It's, no, it's all good. It's all good. I'm just um, going to add that qualifier to a lot of my statements now. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with my previous work, but... <laughs> but I love acid. I do love acid. Um, but in this beer, I was trying to shoot for something a little bit uh, less, or a little bit more restrained. I was trying to just kind of soften it up. You know, too much acid, it, I mean, it's fine, but, you know, not a lot of people can really handle it. Um, heartburn, you know, definitely, or sour stomach is... A true story, and you don't want it. It hurts, but um, and it can start to feel like it's literally ripping the enamel off. Your yeah, teeth. yeah, and that—that's just you know who. If that's how you go, that's cool. You know, I'm not against it. That's how my early homebrews were. They were just acid, as driven as far as I could get them. But um, with this, it was it was really it was it was really meant to bring the bread out and to get the nuances from it. Try to pick up on any minerality if there is in there, uh, if there is any in there. Um, you know, you're really getting. You know, that's not the best descriptor, but in my head it is, and I think I said it in our new Tap Tuesday on Instagram. But it's kind of almost like, um, like a sweaty character to it. It's not like a gross sweatiness to it, but it's like a, it's almost like a heat, like a, um, uh, like a, a wet heat, kind of like salt. Yes, yeah, a little bit of yeah, salinity yeah, like to it. Like a salinity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's just my. That's what I always kind of assume, like characterized a classic Brett Strain had, and. With the pear esters kind of coming out with it, um, it really just rounds out and shows you that bread can be a fun yeast to use. It doesn't have to be disgusting. Um, you know, it, it can be soft and subtle. And that's what we, I was trying to shoot for. I like that you use the word subtle. I feel like that's something that over the short period of time that I've been here is that subtleness goes a long way when providing flavor. And I think that's so cool because it's, you know... This is a phenomenal beer, but the it's not going to like overdo it. It's something that's going to be really clean, and the flavors are in there, and it's so naturally done that it comes off in that subtle way, and I mean that in the best way possible. Yeah, I think it's the, you know, you definitely get the bread in the front of it, but then the acidity kind of cleans it out, so it's not so... It doesn't have like a viscosity to it that a lot of brats or or punchin or or uh, oak aged beers will have. It's just kind of a a cleaner acidic finish that's puckering but not overdone. Totally, definitely, and and you know, Luke, you've been on record on this podcast on multiple past episodes. We've talked about Driefontainen and how much you like their beers. Yeah, and you know, I've talked about Cantillon and 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 their you know Tilquin and. There's plenty of other breweries 
back in in the the days of when these breweries started years and years and years ago, well before sour styles or or this this Belgian style kind of made its way into the states mm-hmm. and true to typical American form, what we started to see over time in the country was the more acid, the better. And what that acidity started to do is, as you've talked about, it can often hide what's behind the beer itself, right? And and look, I've been outright and and pretty forward about, my wife and I's first date was at Upland. I'm I'm a member of their reserve society, mainly for the nostalgia of it, because Liz and I, you know, we went to IU, and so we've been in Bloomington so much. We've been to Upland. And the more beer that I have, the less I want to drink yeah. their sours. And it's no disrespect to them. It's just that those beers are incredible. They're enamel ripping. Right? And, yeah. and I, I, we can split a 750 of that. And just with a glass and a mm-hmm. half of that, man, I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm sour belching. And, and oh, yeah. I love that this beer doesn't have that. And... and even in your past work um, <laughs> that had higher acidity, I yeah. still didn't feel that. There was still some, some complexity there. Yeah, I mean, every, every producer has their, every, every, yeah, every star producer has their flavor. You know, if you look back at uh, Cancion when Jean Vanois's father was blending out, it was more acid driven. You look at when Jean Vanois is doing it now, it's more bread, blue cheese, funk driven. You know, it's just how that the producer feels his best. And, I'm trying to still figure that out and where I think I can make it the best. And, you know, balancing the acid and the bread are what I'm working on hardest now. But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to throw some fun one-offs of just acid bombs or just bread bombs, you know, just, just small ones, you know, just to, just to do. Um, but they also have to be in good balance so they're not gross. I'm not going to put... Exactly. <laughs> I'm not going to put, like, a, a, a stomach acid bottle out, but... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, but the thing I love is the reason we called this beer Saison de Punchum Blend 1 is because no, no two times you brew this or ferment this or yeah. age this is it ever going to taste the same. That's what's super cool about it, right? And, and what happens is as this yeast evolves and as... Your, as you talk about the characteristic of what you're trying to do with this, as you do that each time, it will evolve and turn yeah. into a stronger version of the house culture that, that you and Chase have, have built up. Yeah, I think, I think for some of the, the best, you know, classic sours out there, it's, it's, it's having somewhat control over, you know, certain specific barrels and giving it time uh, to, to mature. Um, but it's mostly in the, in the blending process, I think, is, is having tanks that you know, like, oh, this tank, you know, this tank has something going on with it where it's producing acetic acid in it. Um, it's got acetobacter culture that's just lively in it. It's like, okay, great, you know, it's, that's fine. You know, you blend that at, at 2%, you know, and you have this tank that's, that's more mineral-driven, and you just, you, you have tanks that you just understand, and you know, you know what's in it, you, you know what it's creating, and... and you know, having that the the point of contact of, of blending it out to a specific beer is is really what I think makes some of the the best sours in the world. All right, let's let's wrap up with the name. 
what we, what we, everyone knows about Sonder Stories is this is all about the story. So we've told the story of this beer. How'd we get here? Where in the crap did we get the name Saison de Punchem? No, it's not because we like to run around punching one another. Um, although I will challenge you to a punch out if you'd like to, Chase. I know you have monkey arms, but I'm quick and wiry. It would just take one punch. Yeah, that's probably true. Also, quick and wiry has never been a way I've been described ever in my life. I couldn't be further from the truth. Saison de Punchum is because, as we've discussed, this beer is aged in wine punchins. Punchin is spelled P-U-N-C-H-E-O-N. Punchin. We got the punchins in. Luke kind of already let the cat out of the bag that... Uh, he was really, really excited to order these. So he orders the punchins. <laughs> Chase and I talk about it. End of the day. Great. The punchins come in. About a month goes by, and I've heard it now a few different times, but Chase keeps talking about our punchums. And I just thought, well, that's, that's cute. Like, that's actually kind of funny. Wisconsin like, accent. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you know, whatever. See, he just... He's calling them punchums. That's hilarious. Another month goes by, and he's still talking about our punchums. And, you know, in my head, I cannot... This is a complete side note. I'm going to go down a rabbit hole here. Don't let me go down the rabbit hole. Every time I hear the word punchum, I think of Sock'em Sock'em Robots. Yeah. <laughs> that game when you were a kid. And you, oh, definitely. Oh, yeah, dude, rock those games. dude, we need... Oh, we need the blue one. We need Rock'em Sock'em Robots here. Yeah. That's good, because I would be red. Anyway. In the punchum room. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, back on track. So he's still calling them punchums. So finally, I asked Luke, I'm like, dude, he knows they're called punchins, right? And he's like, dude, I don't know. I just let him go with it. It's my boss. You both were were going under that assumption of like, I just let him go with it. Exactly. (laughs) So finally, we're we're in our owner's meeting. Jen and Daniel were there too. And Chase is like, so we've, you know, we're, we're going through the master schedule. And Chase is like, yeah, so we've got the sours and the punchums. And I was like, all right, I can't, I, Chase, I can't do this anymore. You know they're, they're punchins, right? Not punchums. Serious as a heart attack. He's not smiling. He looks at me and goes, they're punchums. That's what I said, punchums. And I was like, bro, those are called punchins. He's like, no, 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 they're punchums. I Google it and he's like, Oh, did you look at that? <laughs> Don't you know? <laughs> did you think that they were pronouncing it wrong? Or does... I, I didn't notice a difference, I guess. <laughs> okay. That's the best part. The punch was there. That's all you needed. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't getting to the end of the word punch. Oh, got it. I'm there. That was yep. for sure the best part, is that he didn't hear us saying punching. And he was just like, I, I wonder how many times in your 15-year brewing career... Oh, I say a lot of things wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I, I blame my mother. Oh, the, well, you know, I blame my mother for most of all the things I can't speak well either. Uh, love you, Mom. It's almost Mother's Day. Oh. It is. Uh. Uh, okay. So anyway, that's where it came from. So we, you know, like all of our good stories, we're like, well, okay, well, we're naming a beer Punch'em. And then we're like, well, we should name the beer that comes out of the Punch'em punch And this just fit the theme of this of what we're doing here and, and what's coming out of those beers. And it's delicate, but f- still fun, which is our brand, but still a little bit, uh, you know, understated and, and um, has a cool story behind it. So Saison de Punchum Blend 1 uh, is our first Saison Brett. Luke, you did a great job, man. Thank you, guys. Um, 
congratulations on the first release for this. Um, and Danny has an empty beer. Danny, that's a problem. I don't he even won't, have a beer. He will not cheers. Do we can pour some, put some beer? I gotcha, I gotcha. Do, do, do. We'll edit this part I think out. it would be equally bad luck to have people at the table not cheers as opposed yeah, to like not having beer Absolutely. in your cheers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So We're everyone has to same cheers. Page. I'm with you. With, yeah, with, with beer. Um, <laughs> so, for everyone that's listening, thanks for coming back. Thanks for continuing to listen. We love doing this. Um, we love being able to brew beer for you guys. I tell people all the time, it's kind of become my little catchphrase. Most days I can't believe this is my life. The other days I think I'm literally crazy. The good thing is, the days where I can't believe this is my life are outweighing the other days, which is awesome. <laughs> so we, we, love, we love doing this. We love being a part of Sondra and being a part of the beer and everything that's happening. We love sharing it with you guys too. So... Continue to listen. Let us know any way you can. Email, social media, contact us at sondrabrewing.com is the email, uh, or any social media, and let us know what you love and, and maybe what you don't love also. And we would love to keep this thing going. I don't think I'm just speaking for myself. It is no. a lot of work, but, but we have some fun with this too. Yeah. So I guess I would just, just ask you to keep coming back every week. Um, I mentioned social media. Danny, how can people find us on social media? Uh, Sonder Brewing everywhere. And then we also have this podcast in three different places on the website, so you can't miss it. Yeah, It's actually just Sonder Brewing. It's yeah. not Sonder Brewing everywhere. I was going to say that, too. Uh, uh, damn it. <laughs> producer, non-producer. I always do that. <laughs> PNP. Uh, what he meant by that was it, on all platforms, it's Sonder Brewing. I knew what you meant. I just have to bust your balls on it. No, it's fair. <laughs> I deserve it. Um, Bust your nuts. Millennials. <laughs> no, he's Gen that's, Z. That's like chasing. No, I'm a millennial. Yeah, we're all, we're all technically millennials. Technically, yeah. everyone at this table is millennial. Justin and I are. I'm oh, the older. I'm definitely on that you're, fall you're, spectrum. You're a baby boomer, right? <laughs> How old do you think he is? <laughs> <laughs> all right, cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks again, everyone.